My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. Okay, my guests today are Ishita Sharma and Joel Monk. Ishita made her first appearance on the Wonder Dome episode 19, Embracing Your Wholeness. And Joel is here in episode 17, Not So Far Apart, Waking Down and Spiraling Up. Joel is the founder of Coaches Rising uh, an amazing resource for practitioners like me and thousands of others who are sitting with the question of how the coaching field is evolving and, and what it's becoming and what it means to show up for our clients, not with answers and agendas and right ways of living and doing, but instead to show up with deep questions and presence and openness and, and Ishita was a faculty member of one of their recent programs, The Power of Presence. She's the founder of Come to Center and, and one of the most playful, provocative human beings I know. Brilliant, humble, willing to speak her truth and help others speak theirs. And our conversation today centers around the question of what is presence and why does it matter? Why did Joel decide to build a whole program around presence? And the answer that you'll hear him speak to is that presence is the difference that makes the difference. All other things being equal, presence is the difference that makes the difference. The challenge, of course, is to speak about something that is an experience to put words to something that is best or perhaps only accessed by showing up fully and wholly in your body in the moment without shame or blame or judgment or agenda. So the three of us play in that space in an attempt to be present with each other, to let go of, particular agenda for this conversation, to learn from each other, to laugh with each other, to share with each other. And in the last 15 minutes or so, uh, Ishita actually invites you as the listener to get in touch with a moment where you really felt in flow, where you felt like you were most yourself. So I'll plant that seed now. And when that moment comes, maybe prepare yourself to press pause and, and really get into your mind and your imagination, your body, and evoke that experience. And when you press play again, listen to the way we bring our conversation to, the, to its conclusion. The other wonderful 
moment, and you won't hear it right now because beautifully it ended the second that we hung up the call, uh, is the place, the building where I live, the landscapers who are contracted to do their work showed up and my windows are open to the spring air. So the volume is quite high. I've done my best to edit it in the balance. And it was just a wonderful invitation for me, Andy, to stay present as I attempt to host this conversation and be mindful of you who might be listening and the auditory experience that's coming through. So we have a good laugh about that near the end of the conversation too. And and so if you hear loud mowing, loud swells of sound or suddenly my sound meeting out, that's what you're in touch with, uh, the realness of the moment that we were playing with. And I hope it actually brings you more into the conversation as opposed to taking you out of it. So if you want to learn more about Joel's work, you can go to Coaches Rising, um, coachesrising.com. If you want to learn more about Ishita's work, you can go to cometocenter.com. And you can also check out episodes 17 and 19 of the Wonder Dome for the awesome one-on-one conversations that I did with them. But now we continue into the wonderful celebration of past guests coming together in new constellations. And I think we should get settled in. And hear what Ishita and Joel have for us. All right. Ah. Joel, you just said, let's do this. And I, and I felt a charge of energy kind of move through my, my body. I'm really excited to be here with both of you back in the Wonder Dome, together for the first time in the Wonder Dome, but both returning. Welcome back. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah. When I reached out to invite each of you to join me, the, this sort of visible catalyst for that invitation was the fact that I saw that, that my, my dear friend and mentor-ish was participating in, as a teacher in a program that you had mm. helped put together, Joel, um, which if I remember the title was something like the power of transformational presence or the transformative power of presence, specifically for folks like us, practitioners like us who are holding the question of what it means to be with our clients or be with the people we're serving or supporting and, and what becomes possible if we can maybe let go of some things and truly be as present as we can be with them. And, uh, and I just thought, wow, that's so cool that Ish is contributing <laughs> her gifts to this larger container. I, I would just love to hear how that, maybe we can start with how that was for each of you to create that program. What are, what, what are you in touch with in this moment? What are you present to in this moment? At kind of now that that has happened or is still happening, but you're deep into it. You want to go first? No, this one's all you. (laughs) (laughs) All you first, Joel. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the power of presence. And that program was seeded as I spoke to a lot of different, just as you host this podcast, I speak to a lot of transformational practitioners, coaches, facilitators, and it was just a common theme that emerged 
as I spoke to them, it's like, what, what was the difference that made the difference in you doing deep work with people and you bringing your genius into mm. your coaching? And it was this word presence. And when, particularly when people, these coaches actually um, moved beyond a persona that was trying to be a good coach or uh, deploy a method, you know, help somebody and, uh, they shifted into a deeper place where uh, they got out of the way and something began to move through the connection between the people and, and a kind of intelligence came online. And so when I heard about this, I was like, okay, we gotta, we got to create something around this because it's also something I'm experiencing. And, and so that program has been running for two or three years. And yeah, and then enter Ishita, who... You know, this is, I think, part of her genius too. She's in this realm and, um, yeah, put the two together. Let's bring Ish in and, and have her facilitate in the program. And, yeah, I do feel that, and I want to kind of hear what Ish has to say, but it is part of a transition perhaps that we're going through right now collectively. I mean, I'm always a little bit cautious to to sort of say I, I know what's happening because I think okay. actually I really don't have a clue what's going on in a lot of ways and perhaps we'll, we'll speak about that but I do think mm-hmm. as I tuned into Ishita's previous podcast with you for a while we're being invited into a, a, a radical orientation to how we uh, locate ourselves and and perceive ourselves in the world right now and presence is a big part of that so I'm sure we'll unpack that more Mm. Um, mm. as we speak yeah thanks joel mm-hmm. ish what's what's arising in you as you listen to joel um just gratitude i we met a few years ago joel i can't remember when you know when you first showed up in my life and one of the things that drew me to I mean, thank you for the invitation. It was lovely, lovely opportunity to serve. And what draws me to you and the way that you create is this really genuine and sincere call, which is full of heart. And um, when I was with the group, I felt that. Of course, such beautiful people showing up. And this is what I am in service to here. So it felt really, really um, lovely and really fantastic for me to go through a process of, you know, feeling in, tuning into what is being called for and how best to serve it in this particular container in that particular way. And I, um, I really had fun had a lot of fun both in uh, you know creating the games that we played um, together on the call and um, just feeling the trajectories of these lives so mm. thank you for that mm. yeah um, and uh, speaking to what you were just naming yeah I do I do sense it and I don't know if it's true or not but I can't deny that at least in the world that touches me, there is um, even, I would even say accelerated, acceleration in um, 
in our um, in our wake up call, so to speak. And presence, as I've been saying to my clients and for years, is our only job. The only the only uh, the medicine both the method and the goal in a weird way, not the correct word, is to be here now on an earth plane in our bodies, knowing what we are in an expanded way. So it just feels like the only thing in my world these days um, that I want to attend to and so, mm. Mm. there's an image in my mind right now of a group mm-hmm. of people on a raft on a river, and the river is increasing in volume and speed and ruggedness. Mm. And there's something about being on that, really being on that raft, the sort of life and death quality of being on the raft, because if you're not, you're off it. And uh, there's something in that image around this question of what's happening right now, Joel. I don't, I don't, he he said, you don't want to try and predict what's happening, but something's happening. Some, some acceleration is the word you just use, Ishita. And I wonder as I drop that image into our space, if that evokes anything for either of you. (laughs) <laughs> just uh i a lot probably and it's just seems to have fun wherever we go like she said oh you know i had fun in the course but uh, yeah, that's one of the joys of it it's like, actually just she will bring the fun wherever we go. Yay. <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm curious what what what's there for you Ishta? you're laughing oh um if you remember the last time we were together, there was a metaphor that I was uh, describing, you know, uh, driving the car. So I often think of being present and there are nuances, right? To being in the car that you're driving, <laughs> it's very helpful. And in the same way, like the raft that's coming down the river. Well, if I'm on a raft going down the river, Makes a lot of sense to be in it. (laughs) (laughs) Makes good sense. You know, there's so many other ways to think about it. But yeah, Mm. I want to, I want to be looking, I want to be meeting the river. Mm. I want to know how it moves. I want to be able to move with it. I want to flow with it. I know I'm going to hit blocks. The rocks are going to come, the waterfall is going to come. And I want to be in tune with that. So it's helpful to be inside your car when you're driving. It's helpful to be inside your rock when you're driving. You're riding. If you're with other people, well, shit, it's really helpful <laughs> mm. to get with everybody in the raft. And it's sort of the predicament that we're on, on the planet as a whole. And sometimes we forget our attentions don't. Um, and they possibly can't track the whole all the time. But yeah, we're on a raft going down a river. <laughs> mm. 
I, I could yeah, that brings up some stuff for me. Um mm-hmm. on a on a personal level, I really resonate with both these metaphors and um it's interesting because we had the whole pandemic thing and then you know that calm that well calmed down. I don't know, it seems in the Netherlands like it's about to pick up again, but it's, it felt like it was, you know, changing into a different phase and then the war in the Ukraine kicked in and so uh i just feel like how would i describe it it's like i used to feel like the future was coming mm. a few years ago i was like ah oh, there was a certain stability and certainty to the world which perhaps was a kind of an illusion as well but at least that's how it seemed and if it, it felt like the future was coming and i felt quite thrilled about that you know i was like wow the future's coming and it's going to be amazing and then uh then about two years ago, it started to feel like the future's here and it's happening now. And it's actually incredibly disturbing. <laughs> like I want to go back to it. And I felt like it was just about to... Put me back at the start of the river. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And so um, I'm, I feel like, so that's invited me into my own relationship to uncertainty. And I think that's catalyzing my own shift you know in in terms of where do i locate myself or how do i res- where do i respond to life from and i think that um yeah this is like part of our current worldview is is related to this raft like f- experience you're describing where yes we perhaps have privileged the mind or the ra- rationality over other aspects of this, which is, um, you know, has a certain orientation to the world, like um, analyzing, solving problems, you know, reducing things to parts. And it's great for that. You know, look at the, look at the so many beautiful things about the world we live in that have emerged from, from logic and rationality. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the only place we orient to from it, I think it's kind of ill-equipped in a way to, to respond to this, sense of being on this raft including like the, our rational mind's relationship to time itself i think that's part Beautiful. of the issue right now Beautiful. it's like have you noticed it's like uh, like time is we have these like time is money but like there's not enough time everybody's talking about how things are speeding up you have the singularity and i think that's part of um this shift we're going through is that like certain ways we've held what time is and what what it, what being productive and successful being human and community is are are being surfaced and um needing to transform and so my point i'm getting to is that um yeah the, it's presence this shift in identity that i think that allows us to relate to being in the raft being in uncertainty in a different way it has a different set of um I don't know what to call it, but like capacities or intelligence inside it that, and that um, even our experience to time begins to shift to something more timeless or immediate mm-hmm. that, that can, that can respond. Perhaps this is what you're saying is to with the driving the car thing. So anyway, like that's the inquiry I'm in right now. It's like, because it doesn't, and, and I'll, I'll, this is the last thing I'll say, but, it's like I, part of me wants to go back, you know, to like when things felt more stable. Everything feels like it's up for grabs right now. It's more fluid, you know. Everything's becoming more fluid and transparent, and like 
there's something incredibly enlivening about that too. So we should mm. talk about that, mm. you know, like, mm. like our relationship to gender fluidity, for example, race, everything's kind of um, opening up. So, mm. uh, but, but yeah. And, and yeah, like this part of me wants to go back to when things were more fixed and certain. And I think this is a feature of what we're going through right now. Probably mm. maybe li- people listening might relate to this. Where it's like, you know, like, uh, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I do think, yeah. And let's talk about the positive side of it too as well. But anyway, yeah. so that's, that's a few things that come up. Beautiful. Thanks, Joel. Mm-hmm. It should seem like, uh, particularly when Joel spoke about time and how we relate to time and perceive it, you were like really nodding. And so mm-hmm. what, what's happening for you? Oh, I mean, a couple of things. So that's the question that, um, really opened my life up. I think I was like seven at the time, ha, time. Um, and I, someone in my family, my brother, <laughs> I want to tell you about him, but I'll tell you about time instead. Um, he gave me this book, a cousin brother of mine, he gave me a book that was Time and Space. And it was just such a gift, you know, um, In the book, there was, it's starting from the beginning, which is where I like to begin, um, from the unknown. Um, and it illustrated different cultures and their understandings of time. And it was like, well, we still don't know what time is. And I was like, I'm going to grow up and figure that out. I'm coming, physics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but it was the first, um, um, actually, maybe not the first, there was like, the moon, why, why do I see the moon and not know myself? Um, but the question of time, I always knew there was something in there that was key to what I was really curious about. And that inquiry um, goes in everything because it's a, we call it a dimension. Okay. And how you um, how you relate is very interesting with time because it is relative. Then I did go on to study physics and you know do all the time warp equations and maybe I even spoke about this with you, Andy, because I often do. This was a breaking point in um, in a terribly good way. I remember coming back from physics class and. I literally hid my closet and cried. I was like, this is so not going anywhere. Like we do the math and we can see how time changes and it means nothing to me. I don't even know how, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just, I want to know, I want to feel this. I want to understand it with my, I didn't know how the words for it, but like, I want to know this in my experience. All these equations and numbers is great. I can like calculate the distance to Mars and the next galaxy and I can show you how you know the math works but dude where is the math in me like Mm. I know there is Mm. a correlation within my experience of my body and all there is so show that to me Mm. and so time gets me really excited because as we look at least as I looked and looked and looked (laughs) lots of looking um I sort of, at the risk of sounding really arrogant, I sort of found for myself what uh, quantum theory describes. And 
it's really fascinating. And it does, as Joel said, and this is why I love the masculine brain. Thank you for using the words the way you did, Joel. It helps me think about it too. Um, as our relationship at time changes, so does many, so do many other dimensions. And there's a different way in which we show up to our life. Mm. It's so important. Mm. Because in it is built, um, there's, I guess I want to speak of this in, a, let's see. Most of us take that dimension for granted. We think time is what it is. We think space is what it is. This is it. I know, I know the table. Table is table. Minute is minute. My clock, your clock, you know. And it's not so. It, it is at some level and it isn't at another. And depending on how you're being inside, your experience of time is different. You don't have to, like Einstein's, um, you know, propositions, you don't have to go on a spaceship to travel the galaxy and then come back to realize the differential between people on Earth plane and your experience. There's a lot happening here. And in um, there's, a, um, there's a bit in... I don't remember where I read this. I think it was probably um, the Gita at the time. This was like 2009 or something I was reading. And it just killed me. It said, time is a modification of mind. I just knew that was true. I couldn't explain how. Mm. And now I see it. It's so clear. <laughs> of course. When I'm in a hurry to get somewhere, my experience of time very different. When my inner state is at ease and rest, things happen. I show up for my call exactly at 10 o'clock. No, no kerfuffle. And it was like, oh, how did that happen? I wasn't watching it. It was just like, yeah, here I am in the flow of life. Voila, in sync. So there's something really interesting there. And being in a state of presence like you said, Joel, is that exquisite uh, paradox simultaneously timeless and fully here now, which changes. Um, I, I think the big thing about it is scarcity. It changes my relation to scarcity. I am now able to access. Um, I don't like using the word abundance because the new age is like really <laughs> run off with it. But the, the fullness, the abundance of, of all there is, instead of being stuck in like a little small shrunken mm. channel. Mm. So that's my excitement about time. <laughs> it strikes me as you share that. There's, there's maybe 10 things in there we could spend the rest of the podcast talking about. So I'm going to just kind of let that, like, I want to know more about quantum theory and I want to know more about Einstein's propositions and, but okay, take a breath with that. Uh, the thing I'm in, I'm most in touch with right now is if we keep playing with the river metaphor, the way mm -hmm. that <clears throat> the pressure of the acceleration we're feeling mm seems to produce the the very behavior or way of being you just described ish where i'm pressured and i'm rushing and 
you know, I'm seeing the person on the raft with me as a, as a competition. I want to push them off or be the person who's at the front of the raft or, you know, like, ah, ah. Mm-hmm. And there's this infamous study that I've been in touch with a few times over the past few years in my teaching, um, a research study called the good Samaritan study where I'll try and keep it short and see what evokes in each of you. But basically the sometimes research can be pretty mischievous. This was a mischievous research study <laughs> where they went to a, a theological school where people were studying to become, you know, priests or ministers or whatever the kind of religious context was. And they said, okay, uh, you're, we need you to give a sermon on the story of the good Samaritan, which from the Bible and just very briefly is someone from Samaria who like helps other people along the side of the road. And, uh, and the, and the mischievous thing they did is that some people, they said, you've got about two hours to prepare. It's on this place in campus. You know, it's only three minutes. Just take your time, do your best. We'll see you in a couple hours. And the other half of the group, they said, um, and we need you to give this sermon right now. You're actually late. It's on the other side of campus. Please get there as quickly as possible because people are waiting. <laughs> And so you had one group that had sort of no time pressure, another group that had a manufactured time pressure. And then the really sneaky mischievous thing that they did was had a research participant lie on the side of the pathway to the place where the campus was and, and show that they were in need. Like, so here we had people studying to be ministers, preparing to give a sermon on the Good Samaritan story. And here was a moment where they could be a good Samaritan and help someone. And, and almost to a rule, the folks who are under time pressure ignore the person in need, including there was even the person was like the person pretending to be sick was so surprised by this that that they kind of turned up the amplitude and played a bit more and actually threw themselves in front of the path. And one of the one of the study persons just stepped over the person and kept going. So there's something in this this paradox around like the river's going faster. Hurry up, everyone. Ah, that that then amplifies our kind of scarcity behavior, our desire to fight for the safest spot. When really, what we need is I sense is more people who are willing to take a breath and show up where they're needed in the moment, and maybe help get more people on the raft, maybe help steer it and navigate it more skillfully. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, yeah, I want to hear like what what that's sparking sparking in you as I. That's what came to me as you shared this, this relationship with time, Ishita. Um, wow. There's, a, there's another segue that I just want to name because there's the other side of it too that happens. Um, Dan Brown told us this story once and it just like so sweet. It was at Harvard and the Dalai Lama was giving a lecture at Harvard, <laughs> or he was, you know, speaking. And um, I forget the name of the building, the, the one with the stained glass, um, whatever. Hall, probably. Um, the one next to the GSD. Anyway, it was full of people, and they were all waiting for the Dalai Lama to come and speak. And so he was uh, on his way in. <laughs> <laughs> the Dalai Lama met the cleaning lady on the way and um, he greeted her and uh, he was so happy chatting with her. He kept chatting with her for 15 minutes. Um, he was 
for 15 minutes, he and her, you know, had some fun. And then he went into his lecture 15 minutes late. Whoa. And everybody was like, you know, where is he? What is happening? And like tension, tension, tension. Went into his thing, did his thing. He was supposed to be back the next day. Came back the next day to the same place for the lecture. And the front row was full of the cleaning lady and her friends. She brought everyone she knew. Hmm. Hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, what, you could do that? You, know? <laughs> you can be late to things? Yeah. And that's what you get when you are. Wow. Hmm. 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 I guess like for me, I like that story because um, I, I hold simultaneously that, yeah, it, time is useful. So I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, it's good to, if we agree to meet somewhere like that we can meet on time and that's, that has a use or, you mm -hmm. know, we agreed to be on this call at a particular time and, you know, there's a use to that. And I think again, like looking at worldviews uh, yeah. In, you know, Anglo-American in particular, uh, worldview like there is something very um we are very attuned to being on time you know time is precious perhaps there's there's a difference in worldviews in different parts of the world so um so i think it's like i, I look at it both collectively and individually you know like mm -hmm. i i think that there are certain collective worldviews right now that are that are we're we're kind of bumping up against the limits of them like the idea of like um linear time linear progress you know, always problem solving things from this rational mind, reducing, you know, science, scientific materialism, reductionism, which again, have all brought useful things, but have kind of created a certain atmosphere within which we're living, which impinges on who we are as well. Um, and um, the invitation, I think, is is like, can we do the work to to grow our capacity to be present and maybe we should talk about what pres what do we mean by presence because mm. it's a very ambiguous mm -hmm. word perhaps mm -hmm. we're, mm -hmm. we're alluding to it but um like the dalai lama has has done countless hours of meditation and you know he um has developed the this kind of strength the the the, the strength of presence the fluidity the spaciousness not to be um, knocked out of his center, you know, knocked out of presence. And I think, you know, as I, as I've noticed my path, my journey, like a key part of that path is that the things that used to frazzle me, you know, and mm -hmm. um, get me stressed. And then my, the quality of my, my thinking and my connecting with people would, mm. would really reduce then, um, you know, over time, like as I've done like integrative work, I've built the strength of presence that less and less things knock me out of, mm. Mm. of that presence, you know, mm. and that's really useful to me. So it's very practical. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think, I think speaks to perhaps the invitation again of, of in these times, you know, that um, there's an explosion of interest in things like mindfulness and movement and, depth work and i think that is an antidote in some way to to this um 
fragmented, separate worldview that we've been swimming inside of. Mm. So, mm. so yeah, that's what comes up. And maybe we could talk about what what is presence, like because I think I think there are some key um, things that I that I've been doing with my clients. I'm curious to hear what each of you feels about these, like almost like principles, like dropping a change agenda, for example. You know, like, so if I tie this to coaching, yeah, like there's a structural approach to coaching, which, um, you know, somebody comes in, they're not very, something's up in their lives, they want to make progress. And so we kind of idealize, we create an ideal self or future place, and then we chart a path towards that place. And there, there is validity in that approach. I don't want to um, write it off completely, but I think it it we're more complex than that, and the world is more mm-hmm. complex than that. And that there's an attitude we're being invited to right now, which is like dropping this change agenda and being with what is here, mm-hmm. embracing what is here in a way that it begins to unfold, and we attune to to what you know new new. Well, we could say in this, in coaching, it's like our client's new structure actually emerges out of the moment itself, mm. out of this unfolding that can take place. So there's these principles or attitudes, which I think are becoming more and more important that allow us to drop into a kind of presence, which is conducive to us being in more of our wholeness, mm. you know, and wholeness, I think, is a key word right now. You know, wholeness is so important so anyway there's a lot i've said there and i I have a story of a slightly embarrassing more embarrassing because i'm with two masterful coaches but but i think it points to what presence isn't and great uh, way to learn yeah and uh, (laughs) that's probably better how to define it yeah yeah that's a way to define it yeah Mm -hmm. maybe we can start there yeah and um you know at the very top of the call julie you said something about like you were noticing as you asked all of these different practitioners, you're noticing this common theme when, when you said, what's the difference that makes the difference? The answer was presence. You're like, okay, got to do something around that. And the answer wasn't method was one mm. of the answers that you didn't hear. So I, I studied a wonderful method for coaching. Um, and I, I'm still in touch with that method in my coaching, but I, I know, uh, I no longer adhere to it the way that I was very early on when I learned it with one of my volunteer clients. And so for anyone who's ever interested in becoming a professional coach and you get certified, you likely will have some, you'll say, Hey, I'm learning this method and I need some volunteer clients to help me learn it. And so that in exchange for free coaching, you get kind of a Guinea pig uh, to practice (laughs) on. But I remember very clearly it was a a video call like this virtually. and, And I'd had my first session with, with a client and it was, it was pretty vibey and I was feeling really good about myself. And, and then I was like, okay, now I'm going to go do the work that the method has taught me. And I like spent hours kind of writing up this report and coming up with these, these sort of offerings that I was going to give the client. And, and then at our next meeting, I showed up to that call with her and I had, uh, I just, I wasn't even conscious of this. I think I was actually, part of me was actually trying to hide, but I literally had what I had written over her image on the computer screen. So I couldn't, I couldn't look at her. 
see. I couldn't even see if she was like feeling it or not feeling. It. I was just like part one and part two and part three and part four and and then finally at some point she may have even interjected or I finally like finished and and you know she said something like yeah where was the vibe from our first session I don't know I don't really feel very connected to any of that that you just shared and I was like so deflated and sad and going like oh I messed up you know a voice in my head like kind of who wanted to be the good coach as you were talking about earlier Joel and and so that was not presence I was not looking at my client I was not listening to them I was trying to demonstrate some efficacy or skill and uh yeah, I'm a little like it was kind of silly looking back on it that that some part of me thought that that was the way to show up in that uh, in that conversation. Well, why wouldn't you? That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Why wouldn't let's you honor, think that's let's the honor way? You. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, so many things to honor. First of all, your um, just beautiful, tender honesty and <laughs> and yeah, that that is what we are telling people we need to do. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It strikes me as a, and I feel, thank you both for the honoring. And I fortunately had a really loving, supportive mentor coach at that time who, mm-hmm. you know, this is all recorded. So perfect. Like <laughs> we can really look at, at what, how Andy was or wasn't showing up in that moment. And I learned a lot from it quite quickly, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. So there was a kind of, presence to my uh lack of presence that was really an accelerant to me seeing and feeling how I could show up differently in that and in, in the next session with that person. Um but you know there's I think it represents a larger pressure that many of us, particularly in that Anglo American worldview that you that you pointed to, Joel, where we're we're told to be at a place at a time and do a thing. And that thing, whatever that is, whatever that task to accomplish is not actually in full contact with whoever else is there that we're doing the thing for. It's actually or ourselves. Yeah. I, even I ourselves. sorry to interject, but the big thing here that I'd like to highlight is in that way, what I'm losing is me. Mm, mm, mm. So I can't have relation with you. Cause I'm not here. I'm not here. <laughs> I'm not in the room with you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think um, for me, it's a great example of where like um, some parts of us kick in that want to then do a great job, you know, and it's very understandable. And I think this is where it gets a bit paradoxical because, you know, it, 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 we could say like, Oh, then you need to be present. Yeah. But then in an, from one level, we're creating a standard, which you then impose mm-hmm. on your experience. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And, it, and mm-hmm. so for me, this is where the, I've learned a lot here from a mentor of mine, Steve March, who talks about these depths and the depth of parts, process, mm-hmm. presence, and non-duality, and how they, they all can show up in the moment. And um, often we're living at this depth of parts, you know, like we're ident- identified with certain parts of us that, that have a certain strategy mm. that, uh, you know, remain, allow us to remain in a connection and belonging and safety. And there's an intelligence inside of those. 
And that that's that's like what we don't want to do is just start to make those wrong, mm. you know, by and then mm. say pre- presence is it the and right these way. are wrong. Mm. Right. Because we've just fallen mm. into the same the mm. same game mm. that we're saying like we, we're actually wanting to move out of. So but but it is then um this is where I think like dropping the change agenda becomes important. And there's, there's a faculty inside of presence that can include whatever is here, mm. you know, like by being with our experience as it is and, and appreciating and valuing our experience, then um, these parts can begin to relax and integrate. And we can, we can like, you know, often we notice then there's a kind of, um, sensation or felt experience can begin to open up as these parts and freeze. And this is when we can, if we can be with that, this is when we can drop into this felt sense of wholeness Mm -hmm. and presence, which isn't exclusive of things. It's not, it's not conditionally dependent on certain things not being here. So yeah, that's my point here is like, because I think there's a lot of that going around, you know, where it's like, we just create a standard Mm-hmm. which we then assess people by absolutely you know and then we're saying i'm present and you're not therefore you know i'm better than you you're not i can help <laughs> you get to that place yeah and so yeah. you know this is where we like it's a meta practice mm-hmm. we're being invited into now on on such with so many things that we that we hold as uh, part of our worldviews mm-hmm. so this is what i'm fascinated right now and this is why it can be so discombobulating you know, yeah. right now. If if you all had, uh, if I had had the gift of having either or both of you sort of present with me as I attempted beautifully and sweetly to the extent that I was able to be present with my client, mm. what, what would you have been whispering in my ear or what would you have been transmitting to the Andy in that moment who is sort of doing his best bless him, but kind of hiding a bit and not really in the room with himself or, or with his client. Mm. And, and maybe really from this place, Joel, that you're trying to point to of Mm. not like Andy, you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. Do this differently and then you'll be better. Mm. But instead just from this place of presence, how would you have shown up for me in that moment? Maybe I'll start with Ish since I see you smiling widely and beautifully. Uh, how many ways to love you, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> That's really, this is just a bid for, for you to just give me some love right now. Ish, clearly. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, right? Um, yeah. I, the image I had was just holding my hand on your lower back and just radiating love for you. Hmm. 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 I can actually feel something in my back right now as you name that. Mm -hmm. Something uplifting and energizing about that touch. Mm. Mm. It's so sweet. Well, I'm curious, I guess, before we go to Joe, how would that, how does that feel? How does that change mm-hmm. how you're being, mm-hmm. knowing that you're held in love? Yeah, there's, uh, 
you know, I'm sort of maybe in touch in some way with my physicality in that moment. And the way that physicality was showing up was, it was in a sort of a hunched, a sort of like a bit of wide eyed, a bit of like, like white knuckle sort of tension, like a little like shallow breathing, like, okay, like I gotta, I gotta like do this right for my client. I work so hard. She's volunteering her time. Okay. And then when I imagined you being there with me and putting your hand on my back, there was just a kind of like relaxation in my shoulders, a kind of, Oh, Oh yeah. Like, okay. I'm, Oh, right. So at the very least I could imagine maybe me realizing that I, that I could slide whatever I'd written to the side (laughs) and uh, take a breath and just say something like, like, sorry, I'm, I'm still learning here. I'm new. How's, how's it like, what's happening for you as I try and do this as I practice my coaching for you, like just reconnect with that other person. Something like that comes up for me. So sweet. Like uh, what I would do is depending on what mood I was in, you know, I might just like uh, reach over and throw the paper away and then mess your hair up. But you know, I, I think what I probably would do is, is like, depends on the contracting, you know? So what I wouldn't do is come in and go, Whoa, Whoa, Andy, what are you doing? You know, like stop time out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think again, it's like I'm sensitive to to like the invitation, basically. And um, so, so for example, if you were like, "Whoa, time out!" Like uh, Joel, like I'm just I'm noticing right now. I feel I feel kind of crunchy and something's not right. And then and I'll be like, "Whoa, okay, let's explore it." So, so like, what what's here for you now? So, presencing in that way, just just beginning to have you feel your body. And to notice what emotions are here and to then notice like, oh, it's so this thing around parts. So you might say like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to do it well. And then there's an invitation. This is where I think it's important to disidentify from these parts. So uh, like something in me is trying to do this well, or a part in me is trying mm, to, mm. To, to do this well. So instead of and like, it, I'm really trying to do this well, there's something in me right. trying to do this well. And mm. so, you know, IFS, internal family systems has been a, an inspiration for me here where, yeah, you, you, you then shift, you disidentify. What do you, dis, what do you identify into? So you're shifting into something bigger than what you were, mm. which is more free. Mm. And then you can then notice that part and, and just, you know, acknowledge the part and even see its positive intention mm. and begin to appreciate it. And it's presence for me that has that unconditional care and that can value a part in a way that it didn't receive as a child. Mm-hmm. And so that can be incredibly, uh, incredibly healing. Yeah. So, yeah, that there's a way the, even in that moment, I yeah. could almost imagine me then going to that energy or part of me and just putting my hand on its back and be like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah, of course, of course he wants right. this to go well. Of course. And so, so much of my own, even spiritual practice actually uh, 
at one point I noticed like it was coming from a part, you know, a part of me wanting to become awakened or special. Mm. Mm. And so this thing around parts has been really important for me, you know, meditating. Am I like mm. meditating from a part? I'm trying to do the meditation, right? Mm. I'm trying to feel more something else should be happening than what's happening right now. That's all the, to me, points to how there's parts in the background that, that we, we are blended with. So, um, I think it's pretty, pretty important mm. this mm. work. Yeah. So mm. that, that would be how I would approach it, approach it with you. Mm. Thanks both. Mm. I feel, uh, really, uh, smiling a lot right now for those <laughs> who can't see me. I feel like, Oh yeah. Uh, even though I didn't have either of you there in the moment, I, there's something really fun and healing about imagining both of you there with me, mussing my hair and <laughs> checking in and holding my back. Um, and it seems like if we were to start to then point towards Joel, your invitation to articulate some principles, I'm maybe hearing at least two possible principles of presence. One is to, um, invite the part or parts of you that are holding an agenda, even if it's a really well-meaning agenda to step back a bit, to, to, to let go of that agenda, to, to distance from it a bit, something about our relationship to agenda and the way that that strongly blending with or attaching to an agenda can take us out of presence. That's one principle I'm hearing. So something mm. about working with agenda. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'll yeah. That. what's happening for you as I share that. Julie, you want to respond? Oh, is that to me or to well, Ish? Ish, I heard you kind of, hmm. So I wondered, I was about to share my second. I make yummy noises. I that I, <laughs> my yeah. yummy noises are mostly like processing what's happening. Mm. Mm. how I feel. Mm. Um, mm. It's funny. So yeah, last night I led a massive group call on flow, on presence, on uh, inner coherence. And what I had folks do was instead of telling them what it is, I had them um, access a state of flow and then um, describe what they noticed from it. And uh, I'm kind of tempted to propose that everybody listening take 10 minutes and um, it's funny to say do that, but do that. Um, and then maybe, you know, listen to all the words that we are using to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you might want to contrast what's happening when you're in the flow versus when you're out. It's so fascinating. Could you, uh, for folks who are hearing this, like if you're listening, this would be a beautiful moment to like press pause and exactly Ish's invitation. But, but if I'm going, uh, okay, whoa, <laughs> how do I do that? How do I do uh, that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah, might you yeah. just sort of gently nudge mm. someone to get in touch with that that flow state? So thank you for that question. Um, so whoever you are, wherever you're coming from. You know this in you. Wherever you are right now, it doesn't matter. There has been a time in your life, I guarantee it, if you don't think so, you 
email me. <laughs> we will have, we will look at it. Um, but I invite you to find just one. It could be the briefest moment in time. It could be the longest stretch of time. Just some time in your lived experience that you felt most like yourself. And every other pointer I will give you could bias that, but just a time where you felt most like you. Hmm. It could be when you were running really, really fast, or um, I don't know, you were looking at your baby's face. It could be, for me, the first time I cognitively remember being in it was being a kid in the mountains making uh, paste out of uh, uh, all the flowers. <laughs> playing piano where the piano started playing me and I was like how is this happening I don't know but it's really good I love it you know and just so much juice in that moment um so that's the invitation just one instance the first one that comes up is a great one run with it and invoke it like it's happening here now because it actually is in your brain as you're doing it and then look, and here are some specific pointers. What is your relation with time? What is your relation with mind? What's the quality of mind? Let's say, what's the texture of mind, of thought? What's the texture of emotion? Um, mm, good one. I love this one. What's your relation with boundary in that space? I've got, a, I'm in touch with a pretty powerful flow state right now. Mm. So if you've maybe pressed pause, if you're listening, accept Ishita's invitation to get in touch with one of these moments where you felt really like yourself. And now you're back. The moment I'm in touch with was the moment that my daughter, who's now four and a half, was born. The sort of my analytical mind is, is trying to figure out how long this lasted. So even there now, I'm not I'm in a relationship with time that the second principle I was going to presence was uh there's something about slowness or openness or immediacy. There's a different relationship to time and presence. And in this moment when my daughter was born, it probably by our kind of conventional time, only my feeling only lasted for 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes, but wow. she arrived, you know, out of my partner's body into the world covered in blood and amniotic fluid and, the doctors were there, the nurses were there, my partner was there, and she was here. And I started just crying and laughing somehow at the same exact time. And I said something like, look at her. And I just, there was no even sense of some things I am sometimes in touch with that people are in the room, a man, I'm not supposed to cry. This is, it was just an overwhelming, unbelievably potent moment of dis awe and joy and wonder that felt like 
I mean, even now as I speak about it, I'm getting a little bit some chills. And it felt like it lasted a really long time, even though it was probably over in a flash by conventional measures. Wow. You've both had this moment. I'm kind of envious. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Um, you named something that I want to underline. You, I want to pose it as the question that I forgot to ask you. What's your sense of self in that place? Yeah. There. Yeah. My sense of self was just a, a sort of sense of pure wonder at life. Like there wasn't any of, there was no image management. There was no <laughs> what's next. There's no <laughs> what needs to happen right now. There was just. <sighs> wow. Thank you for sharing. I th- I think that's a really beautiful question that Ishits has just asked. It's like, because to me, that that question points to how when we're in presence, like it's to me, it's not something that we cultivate like we do. It's not like, because I think people often hold it like now I'm going to be present, but it's more, it's more a state of being. And it's what's your sense of self? It's like, I am wonder. I am love. And so there's a kind of transmission of that experience. And, you know, that can sound very like esoteric or something, but I don't mean it like that. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just that we, our knowing and our being come together mm-hmm. and we can speak and we can, we can act and move as that experience of love and wonder or strength, knowingness. And there's a coherence to that. So that's for me, presence often includes these qualities that we all know. And I like what Ish is saying, because it's making it very practical. Again, presence can sound a bit esoteric or something, but we all know that experience. And yes, you can cultivate a deeper access to it and refine your perceptivity of it. And there's, it's a wondrous journey, you know, like there is more and more to it. Um, so for me, like the invitation is, like the, the my body is a really important like element in presence you know like often when i'm in presence there's a sense of coherence and a kind of um um an an excess of of like felt energy exuberance and it's has a it has a kind of non-efforting mindfulness or presence to it so it's not like i'm trying to be present and maintain that it's like <laughs> no, it's like it. it's just it's just there and it's it's maintaining itself and mm-hmm. you know that that didn't happen immediately for me that was a result of doing deep work integrative work meditation mm-hmm. presence practices and then over time that work starts to refine one's being and that and it, and it kind of start this excess of energy starts to come online more and more and so um but it's here right now you know like by embracing what's here by slowing down tuning into our bodies um you know we can uh, if we leave our experience as it is let it be as it is hands off then there's a something Mm. starts to happen you know like there's a metabolization and um if we're feeling quite frazzled or stressed if we let things be 
drop into our bodies, allow our bodies to to presence, not our minds to impose presence. Then there's a metabolization, a settling, and you know, within a few moments, we can often feel quite different. So, yeah, I want to I wanted to underline some of the things you're both saying and make this really practical for people too. It's mm-hmm. not something we all know, and mm-hmm. yet is a wondrous journey to, you know, speaking of wonder, the wonder dome. It is a wondrous journey to go on. What a what a journey to go on. Yeah. So. Hmm. It's a. Um, I want to talk about something that I've been blah, sitting with as I start to speak more about things that um, I maintain must be experienced before we speak of them. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, there's this thing about language, right? So I say, say presence is not, you know, some abstract esoteric concept or like inaccessible state. It's like a reproducible process and you can invoke it. You can learn how to invoke it. And that's radical for me, at least in myself, because now at this stage of my life i i have words for it that i didn't before and um there's a way that i'm sitting with the way that i use the word state and it doesn't it's not fully like digested in me when i speak of uh presence uh, it doesn't like fully mm, feel right because it's like come to center is not center is not a place. It is a place, but it's a living process. It's an evolution that's always on. So even something like presence, kind of like what you were saying, Joel, the meta awareness, there is like, I'm not trying to get to a thing. I am becoming the living thing that is living itself, life living itself as itself, showing itself to itself. People ask me what I do. Well, I show up. I show up and I live my life and then things happen and I notice and I, if I'm again, I use this word present, then I can steer my boat. I can move myself. I can flow with, um, and something you were saying that got me really excited because it was like, yes, um, Joel, it points to this dimension of harmony. What we noticed I mean, we on the call yesterday, but in life is in the state of coherence. What is not happening is I'm not in competition with the parts. I'm not in competition with the whole. There's a harmonious, coherent field in me that is in sync with everything else, that is in tune, just like a forest. We think forests are really crazy and um, haphazard. No, there, there's an intelligence. Everything is living, coexisting, mutuality. There's like the whole thing is working as itself, with itself. There's a weaving. The people on the raft are not then separated from the river and the raft itself or the process of flowing. It's sort of a harmonization. And that's a really... Lovely. Um, and it doesn't always look, the other thing I want to say is it doesn't always look really happy and, you know, ooh, how exciting. I, I broke my shoulder and it was a massive injury and um, I didn't know. 
And it was painful, really, really bloody painful. But there I was uh, like two hours from a hospital with a broken shoulder, torn ligaments, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, this is this is happening. This is as it should be. I'm in the right place. And uh, chill. Still in a lot of pain. That's also present. It's also in our wheelhouse. partially managing the sound of lawn mowing outside my window, which is a wonderful uh, meta moment of life going, <laughs> how present are you really, Andy? <laughs> I, I find it a wonderful um, kind of like, I, I, I don't quite have to put words to it, but it's like it's bringing me into your world in a certain way, the noise, because it's so evocative, you know, mowing the lawn and summer. And so I'm appreciating it. There's a, a way in which we could just sit and listen to that for the last, you know, seven minutes that we have together. And part of me feels really playful around that. Another part of me wants to kind of like go and be like, shh, don't you know how important, what an important thing we're doing down here right now? But maybe the sort of beautiful thing you're pointing to, Ish, is the quality of... Um, Okay, we are. There it is. And uh, that feels really good. That feels really good. I feel, uh, I don't feel drained by that. I just feel aware of it and I'm working at it. There it is. That's a nice cadence to it. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like to me it speaks to it's adding to a certain um, as we've spoken about presence I felt myself drop into something deeper and felt a kind of the, uh, you know a, a dialogos emerge between us like this as we've spoken we've, we've tuned into the topic that we're talking about more and it's felt more expressed in our words and so that's something I want to name right now you know is um yeah presence can show up in this way too you know as a as a shared experience that's informing the very conversation you're having yeah yeah the uh there's i'm back with the metaphor again of the raft and maybe as i'm going down the river i'm seeing some people on the edge of the river doing landscaping um but uh, but there's a center, the center you described, Ishita, as not a place to arrive to. Like there's no center of the river. There's not even really a center of the boat. It's it's actually the boat, the center of the boat is in relationship to the flow of the river. And the way you stand in that center and the way a group of people sharing that raft might stand to create the center is a process, is a engagement and thinking about how to do that on on a boat is the surest way of falling <laughs> into the water right there's a there's something about a, maybe another principle of presence we might want to name really clearly is that it is whole body it is whole sensory it is not narrow there's something the aperture is wider and deeper than it usually is yeah which includes the cognitive which includes our mind. So they're very careful 
Mm. Because when we say mm. body, we don't mean, oh, only body, no mind. There's no such thing. You can't separate body, mind. We're getting to that in science here now. But yeah, it's the wisdom of the whole system. Fully integrated neurophysiology. Heart, mind, body, will, mm. all of the things. Mm. Mm. <sighs> it's, uh, it's my, someone here has to hold the duty of respecting and honoring your uh, earthly time boundaries. And we are, we are approaching the end of this particular tributary of the rivers that we're riding together. I wonder if there's something that by way of closure, you either of you might want to say or read or share to close our experience together today. Maybe I'll look at you first, Joel. Um, I was going to read something, but I think, I think actually what I'll do is just keep it kind of brief and um, invite people into um, if there's something that's been touched by you today, by our conversation to, to feel that inside of you right now is something, something important to acknowledge it and to, to follow that, uh, to, to honor that and cherish that because there's, there's an intelligence in that. That is life itself. Um, evolution itself. Uh, you know, as we're, as we're each touched and inspired by one another and you can feel the resonance of that. That is, there is a guidance inside of that. And so I just invite you right now, if that has happened in our call today, then, you know, just to, just to give a few moments to feel that and to, um, Maybe, maybe to savor it, to savor it, not to demand anything of it, but to savor it and to see where that wants to take you next. Maybe it takes you to go make a cup of tea or to reach for a book or something else. But that unfolding, that movement of life is where I want to point people right now. Mm. Mm. And I'll just say very briefly, one thing I'm really savoring is this moment we created somewhere in the middle of the call where Ishta's hand was on my back and Joel was mussing up my hair. <laughs> and uh, I really want to savor the wisdom and guidance of that. I, I want to like do that with my children when I go upstairs, be a bit more playful, maybe do that with my clients later today on a, on a call with one of them, just sort of really savoring the wisdom of that playfulness and support, the sort of challenge and support that you both gave me in that moment. Mm. I'm certainly going to savor and feel into what wants to happen next. Uh, yeah, and I actually do want to read what um, I wanted to read for you all. And it's an invitation, considered an invitation from life to life. It's Rumi's words, of course, uh, how cliche, but so apt. Um, come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, oh, I'm going to cry, lover of leaving. It doesn't matter. 
Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even if you've broken your vow a thousand times. Come, yet again. Come, come. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you, Ish. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, landscapers. <laughs> Thank you for this delightful, invigorating, like just like my body is tingling with mm. something I might describe as joy. And I'm really, really savoring it right now. So thank you both for the gifts you bring to the world, for saying yes to this invitation to come back to the Wonder Dome and help me celebrate two years and 100 episodes. I uh, just deep bow gratitude and respect to both of you. Mm. Right back at you both. Thanks, Andy, for the invitation. And Ish, always a pleasure. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thanks to to anyone who hears this. May you savor more. May you notice these moments where you are most yourself. May you deepen into that without shame, without agenda, without doing it the right way. (laughs) Yeah. Hand on the back, hair, mussing up your hair. Have fun out there. Thanks for tuning into the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serqua and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on, and keep the show going for as long as I'm able. But 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.